Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. I wanted the video to be slightly longer because I didn't go get all the stuff yet. Amen. Well, anyway, here we are. God bless you. How are you doing this morning? Praise the Lord. Okay. Well, uh, my name is Derek. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm always thankful that uh, we get updates from around the world. You know, we're in full-blown Christmas season here in the South Metro, but uh, struggles continue to happen around the world, and so it's a, a joy to be here with that. Lots to, a lot of stuff is happening, and um, we were able to dedicate those children, so uh, we're so grateful for that. Yesterday, we had men's breakfast, and then afterwards, I think there was like a dozen of us or so that were able to stay, and we continued the demolition there in NL1, this one of these front corner rooms. Uh, we're really looking forward to, in January, beginning construction to be done before Easter of uh, the new coffee bar area, three offices slash classrooms, but fire code purposes, offices. Uh, depends on which way the door swings in the room, you know, so three offices that might look like classrooms after that. But anyway, um, you know, uh, to be used over there. So we were able to uh, demo a lot of that stuff. I just want to say thanks to so many of those that stayed around. Um, I think it was a rule. If you were wearing stuff made by Wrangler or Carhartt, you were allowed to use power tools and they told me to take pictures. So that's what your pastor did. And uh, I was still working on the sermon as well up at the same time, but we had a great time. So thanks to those uh, that were helping and you'll have more info after Christmas opportunity to do that. And so we're able to keep moving forward with that. Thank you to those of you who are already uh, able to give something to Heart for the House and, and paying for that. But it's just a wonderful thing. And we look forward to seeing God do that. It's something we've been waiting a while for. And so now we're able to move forward. So thank you to those who were able to do that. Um, also, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that this week would be uh, Trevor and Tia Westad's last week as our youth pastors before uh, they're moving to Wisconsin. And so today uh, kind of begins that week and Wednesday night they'll have uh, a party there at youth and that's going on up there. So if you see them today and you only come to church on Sunday, you might want to tell them bye afterwards. Uh, but also um, next week, a lot of things happening. We'll be announcing this past week we were able to hire our new youth pastor that uh, God had been moving on the heart of them. And I received a recommendation from somebody. I called this youth pastor's pastor and asked him and he said, you know, uh, we think God could be in that. And so we interviewed him and this week uh, we were able to sign that. So they'll be here starting the first week of January. And uh, we're thankful as God uh, moves other people on that he brings other people in. And when we just do what God asks us to do, uh, he'll always take care of us in the way that he sees best fit. Amen. All right. Well, if you have a Bible, you could turn to Luke chapter one. And if you're able, would you stand to your feet here this morning? Um, we're in this Christmas series theme called joy. And so every week I'm going to be in Luke chapter one for the next three weeks. And then on Christmas Eve, which is on a Saturday. So that's why it's like the Sunday service, but it's on Saturday. We we'll just keep you on your toes. Uh, it'll be Luke chapter two. So it'll be way different. Uh, <laughs> but, but we're going to be right here in this uh, Christmas story this season, Luke chapter one, and a little bit of chapter two on Christmas Eve. And so I'm going to read, let's just read verses 11 to 15 for the sake of time, because I'm going to read 5 to 25, but we'll do that throughout the message. The Bible reads like this, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. 
for your prayer has been heard. Aren't you thankful that we don't serve a God who doesn't hear our prayers? <laughs> that we don't serve a God that's unable to move on our behalf, but he hears us and he is working for our good. Can I get a good amen? Hey, the Lord has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you when he's not a toddler. I don't know, or a teenager, I don't know, whatever. That was the amplified version that the Ross man just read on that. But no, the Bible just said, he'll be a joy and a delight to you. And I love this. I would like to uh, pray this. It says that many will rejoice because of his birth. Why? And I'll pray this, not just for the children we dedicated, but for all of our children, for he, they will be great, or he will be great in the sight of the Lord. You know, that's actually what I'm praying. Not that our kids would be great in the eyes of our teachers, that's not an offensive statement to those of you who are not to the eyes of, you know, a sports league or a government. I'm praying that our kids are great in the sight of the Lord. <laughs> what a shame to be good at a sport or be smart and figure out math problems and not be great in the sight of God. So I'm praying that all of our kids are great in the sight of the Lord. Today, I want to talk about joy in hope. I'll explain a little bit about Advent and our theme is joy, but today we're talking about hope. And so we're talking about joy in hope. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for meeting with us. We've sensed your, your, your spirit's activity among us. We received revelation and proclamation in our first service. And we believe this will be the same, that you will do what only you can do. Let us become more like Jesus today. We pray it in that mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I love Christmas. Yeah. Easter is a day, but Christmas is a season. But as much as I love Christmas, my wife loves Christmas. There's a difference, right? I'm like, I want a tree. She wants lots of trees. <laughs> I want some lights. She wants lots of lights. I, you know, whatever it is, I just, she loves it even more. But have you noticed how easy it is these days in this Christmas season for our schedules to be overfilled, for the trappings of commercialized holiday shopping, it's become harder to avoid, and it's become more and more of a challenge each year to set aside time to reflect on the coming of our Savior. Our theme is joy. And I know some of us have had a great year and others of us have had a tough year. And yet, regardless of our circumstances, I believe that we can all have joy. Joy is not dependent upon if we got a pay raise or if we got laid off. It's not dependent upon if we welcomed a baby into our family or lost a loved one. Joy comes from the Lord. Now, for those that are walking through this holiday season, the first time of Christmas without your mom or without your spouse, without a child, we're continuing to pray with you and want to help you through this season of first. But I remind especially you, no matter what this year has held, this Christmas season, you and I, we can all have joy in the Lord. Now, each week here at Celebration will be special and God's doing great things. I'm so thankful that you're all here today. But church of our size, hundreds in this service, hundreds before, you know, a couple thousand that call it home, watch online, different age, service, language. 
Uh, there's a wide range of people that call this church home. Some were raised in church. Some were not raised in church at all. Some were raised in a traditional liturgical, like a Catholic or Lutheran church. And four of us were raised in a Pentecostal church. You know, whatever, there's, there's differences, right? But so the word Advent means different things to different people. If you grew up in a traditional kind of mainline style church, you're probably familiar with this season that we call Advent, traditionally four weeks leading up to Christmas. The word Advent really just means coming. And so it's not that St. Nick is coming to town, but that Christmas is coming. For those that grew up, maybe uh, Pentecostal, sometimes you you're like, what, a wreath? We put them on our door. We don't know. Well, there's different candles, love, joy, peace, hope. And, and the last candle that we light, the white candle is for Jesus. We recognize, we look forward. But this is a combination. It's not just the coming of Christmas, but it's the coming again of our King. Those Hebrew people look forward to the coming of the Messiah, but this idea isn't just about his first coming. It's Adventus Redemptus. It's, we're looking forward to the coming when he will come back for us again. It's not just a one and done. Yes, in the Bible, they were waiting. They were praying for generations. Let the Messiah come. And now that he's come, we join in with every generation and we say, Lord Jesus, come again and quickly if it's all right with you. This is what we mean by Advent. So here we are, and we're going to combine that. Joy is our theme, but as I said, hope, love, peace, and Jesus will kind of be those themes for each week. So today we're talking about joy in hope, and all of us need hope because we all go through tough times. You cannot avoid struggles in these days. It doesn't matter how many good things you do or if you only hang out in church, no matter what, we live in a fallen world and sin is having its effect upon mankind and therefore we will all struggle, but we don't have to struggle without hope. There was that study where they put lab rats, you know, one in water and just let them be there. And the other one would put in a bucket of water and they would help them. The one that they just left on their own died. They just gave up hope and they just drowned. The other one, as long as every few minutes they go and lift them up, they swam for like 24 hours instead of one hour. Not because they rested for so long, but because they had hope somebody would come back for them. Friends, isn't that what we do? Every time we gather at church, every time we gather to pray with believers, we're lifting our own spirits with hope that Jesus will come back for us. No wonder people are struggling in the times we're living in if they don't have the hope that Jesus is coming back. No wonder if the stock market's down and inflation's up and people hate each other. No wonder they're struggling because we're all struggling, but we are not of those who struggle without hope because we know because he came for us once, he'll come for us again. We're just waiting until our king comes back to lift us up once and for all. Today, we can and need to have joy in hope. Well, that's just the intro and I'm going to get you the note sheet now. There's three points, but I got a bunch of things to say. Number one, if we're going to have joy and hope, when we look at this text, I see evidence of faithful prayers. If you today say you don't have much joy and hope, I would ask how many faithful prayers are you praying? Because every time you offer a faith-filled prayer, you can't help but get a little bit more joy in hope. 
Look at what we read here. Let's go back to verse five because we see, I think, the two most often prayed prayers of Zechariah's life we see here in this text. Verse number five. In the time of Herod, who was king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. Or Abijah. I don't know. You don't either. Don't judge me. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron descendant of the priestly line. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. In other words, for me to translate it to you, to you their spiritual chore list was filled with gold stars. That's a good thing. They had done what God asked them to do. But look at this, verse seven. But they were childless. You know, Many more in America than around the world, Christians have believed a bill of goods that if you follow Jesus, you won't have any struggles. The truth is, Jesus didn't say you won't have struggle, you just won't go struggle alone. So here they did all the things that they knew to do. They were of the right lineage, they had done the right things, they had prayed faith filled prayers, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. I believe Zechariah had prayed for a long time to have a son. It's possible he had prayed to have a son before he had even married Elizabeth. Not that he wanted to have one before her, but you know, just as, as, as far as amount of times prayed in their culture, their tradition, the lineage would be passed on through sonship. That God, even as a young man preparing for ministry, I believe he'd probably say, God, give me a son to pass this on to. God, give me a son to pass on the family name. Give me a son. Give me. And he'd prayed for a long time to have a son. But it was also as a minister, as a priest, he would have prayed for the opportunity to offer incense to God. This is what we read in verse eight. Once when Zechariah's division, I'll teach you about this here in a second, was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. Now we hear that and we're like, okay, no big deal. Sunday, he did it. No, it wasn't like that. He was chosen by lot. He was chosen by chance, or was it? But this was according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And at, when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So the angel appeared to him. And really what happened is on that day, he got two answers to prayers that he'd prayed for a long time. What was the first answer to prayer? God, would you allow me to be used for your service? Now, Pastor Dan helped explain this to all of our pastors this week. Uh, by this time, there was probably about 20,000 male descendants of Levi, the tribe of Levi, these priestly people. So there's 20,000 men that would rotate doing the priestly duty to offer incense to the Lord. And they would serve twice a year for one week at a time. And it says that it was chosen by lot. It was by chance. It was kind of like they took shifts or they took rotations. And so only two times a year would somebody even get selected. And if you do the math, 20,000, two times a year, suffice it to say, you may or may not get one opportunity in your lifetime to be the one who would offer the incense to God. Pastor Dan said he remembered when he first went into ministry, he's like, it was like when I was a youth pastor and I wondered if the senior pastor would ever let me preach on a Sunday. And I said, that's not like it at all. He said, what do you mean? 
I said, it's not like wondering if the senior pastor will let you preach once on the year. It's like wondering if you'll ever get to preach to anybody, anytime, ever. Think about it. All the study, all the preparation. And every year he would wonder, they would wonder, 19,999 others, will I get the chance to offer incense to God? Because he was a man of God, we can easily infer he would have prayed probably every day. God, may this be the year that I get the privilege to serve you in this way. And on that day that God answered his corporate prayer, God also answered his personal prayer. Because I believe for his whole life, he'd been praying, God, give me a son. And even when he got old, what do we know? The Bible says God heard his prayer. What am I saying here? Keep on praying and keep on doing what God asks you to do. Now, doing what he asks you to do does not mean you don't go through struggle, does not mean that you won't have problems, but doing what he asks you to do does mean that you'll be in position to receive what he wants you to receive when he says the time is right. So just continue to put yourself in that place of obedience, doing what God asks you to do. But he is not the first one. Zechariah and Elizabeth are not the first ones in the Bible that we read about were a little bit past childbearing age. Remember Father Abraham? If you grew up in church, if you're newer, I'll explain. His name wasn't really Father Abraham. It was Abram, got changed to Abraham, but then God said, I'll make you the father of many nations. Abraham received a word from the Lord. He received a promise that God would do something more than the sand on the seashore, more than the stars in the sky. God said, that will be your descendants. There was only one problem. Abraham and Sarah were old. So they got together and they were like, we think God, he had a good heart, but he missed it. So here's the plan. Let's help God out. And Sarah was like, sleep with Hagar, my maid. And Abraham was like, if you insist. I don't know. I don't know if he said it that way, but. But spoiler alert, it didn't work out well. And in case I wasn't clear, it wasn't recommended back then, nor is it today. Not a marriage improvement, not a lineage plan, you know, like don't recommend it. Zero stars, you know, like don't do it. And they took matters in their own hands. What happens? I think, this is why I said it's important that we pray and we keep on praying. When we pray faith-filled prayers, we can't help but have joy and hope. We don't know how it's gonna happen. We don't know when it's gonna happen. But when we pray, we're reminded it's not on us to make this happen. It's on God. Because it's God's promise and therefore it's got to be God's power, not our own idea. And Abraham and Sarah, they got it. They took matters. They were like, hey, we got to help him out. God doesn't need our help to do his thing. In fact, when we help him, anybody have a kid that's like, can I help you bake cookies? It's not helping. (laughs) And it's even worse when we try to help God. Our job is to believe And the Bible says that here's what's going to happen. She'll bear you a son. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed. One of the reasons that we're going to pray even more next year in 2023 and the years after that, by the way, is because we know we were created by God to enjoy answered prayers. 
We were created for this, right? Those of us who've seen God move on our behalf, we know that prayer works. It's more than just memorizing words or fancy supplications, but prayer is talking with the eternal. Prayer is talking with God. We, we pray to him, but he also, he talks with us. He talks to us. We just have to stop long enough in this hectic season and schedule and say, God, we're open to hear from you because I believe he wants to talk to us way more than we're willing to listen. And so we're going to continue to set aside more times for faithful prayers because that's where joy and hope really begins. After faithful prayers, we see here fulfilled promises. This is what we read about in verses 14 and 15. He said, it'll be a joy and a delight to you. People rejoice because of his birth. For he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. and He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Now, I'll be honest with you, that messes with my theology. Luke was written before Acts. I mean, Acts was written by Luke. So this is like, chronologically, there's a prophecy that John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit before Acts 2 happens. And I'm like, well, now what do I do with that? Because I did seven weeks on the Holy Spirit and I'm pretty sure Acts 2 was where things changed. But we read here, John the Baptist was filled even before that. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks or maybe it's next week. I'm not even sure. I'll find out tomorrow. I would simply say, whatever it is that God wants to give us, we ought to be open to receive it whenever that is. Let's not continually box him in and say, this is when you need to do it and how you need to do it. Let's just be open to receive. And when we offer faithful prayers, eventually we will see fulfilled promises. It's just the way he works. I wrote this down as I felt this and I was praying and so much revelation yesterday. Number three, I'll make some declarations over you in a moment. But when God gives you a promise, you can count it as if it's already happened. Now, I want to explain this for a moment because like if he promised you an increase, you should not go take out a loan the next day necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Because the bank doesn't necessarily cash God's checks. You got to wait for those things to happen. But I'm just saying like in the sake of time, like when God, because if he says it, it can't not happen. But sometimes we have to wait for it to happen. But eternally speaking, when God says it, it's already happened. We just have to wait for it to happen. And if you're not confused, welcome to the kingdom, right? But that, that's just the thing. Like when he says it, it's going to happen. Even if we don't see it, even if we don't know how, this is why it's important, friends, that when God gives you a promise, you need to write it down. Put it in the notes app on your phone, write it down on a journal, like whatever it is. You got to write it down. Why? Because the devil is going to lie to you. I'm telling you, he's going to lie to you and say, God didn't say that. He's going to deceive you and say, well, you misheard God. So sometimes you have to go back because the truth is his lies and his deception are always increased when our sight of it gets the worst. And so when things seem to be the most against us, his voice gets the loudest and we need to go back and look at what's written down. And we're like, I don't know what was happening. I had to do that this morning. Things that he downloaded yesterday in my office on the third point, I had to review this morning because I didn't even remember that he said it. I just woke up. I was like, I don't even remember what I wrote on that page, but God did it. And so we go back and we look. Now, maybe you're here and you're like, well, Pastor Derek, I can't hear God speak. Well, number one, we're going to help you with that next year, but he has already spoken to you and there's a lot of his promises that are already written down for you and they're in the Bible. 
right? That's the easiest place to start. The Bible app, you could pick a translation, the print, whatever it is. Let me just encourage you as your pastor, when you read the Bible, notice I did not say if, because I just got to help you grow, right? You, I sure hope you get more Bible than just from me on Sunday. You're going to get a lot of it on Sunday, but you're going to need more of it than what I have 45 minutes to give to you. You eat throughout the week. None of you fasted for six days every week. You, you ate throughout the week. Oh, crack it open. Okay, anyway, when you read the Bible digitally or on paper, you need to have paper and pen with you or so you can at least circle something in the Bible. You can write off to the side. You can highlight it because you need to write it down. The entire word is inspired. Now, again, Pastor Vicente talked about this last week when Jesus said, you got to go into all the world. You got to go into all the nations. He was like, oh, is he talking about America? No, because America wasn't a nation, but he was talking about all people groups, ethne. I would say the same thing. The Bible was not written to you. There is no chapter to Lake Villians. It's Ephesians. We might have some of the same problems. Corinthians, we got sexual immorality, right? This, it wasn't written to us, but hear me, friends, it was written for us, right? Because through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, everything that was decreed from the throne room of heaven through the anointed writers of scripture is not to us, but it is for us. So as we are reading, you ought to circle, you ought to write down, you ought to make a list. Let me just demystify this for you. If you really don't know where to begin, you can Google Bible promises for fill in the blank. You could Google Bible promises for favor and get a list. That's not anti-spiritual. You could Google or make your own list. Bible promises for increase. Bible promises for restoration. Bible promises for salvation. You ought to get a list because sometimes I have to go back to my lists and remind myself. And those times of reminding always happen when I'm not seeing it happen in front of me. So when everything that I feel like I've heard God say, what I've read him say, when it doesn't line up with what I'm seeing, I got to go back and I need to see something else. Now listen, I'm a big proponent of memorizing scripture. I've talked about this, junior Bible quiz, the place where I developed a love for the word of God because you don't always necessarily have a Bible with you, but you got a phone. So most of us kind of always have a Bible with us. But there is something about memorizing word in a moment. You can encourage yourself, but when you are most susceptible to deception, I have found that we need to see something else. It's not just reminding ourselves, no, God said I'm an overcomer. I'm not going under. All he said, I'm the head of the I, I get that. I've memorized those things. But for my life, and that's all I know how to help you with is in my life, if what I'm seeing doesn't line up with what I've read and what I know, I need to see something else. And so that's why we've got to get our focus off of Twitter and Instagram and social media, everything. We've got to get our focus on scripture because we've got to go back to seeing what is it that God has said? What is it that God has promised? Because if he has said it, it will happen. I'm going to skip the next half page because there's too much in three. This is a prophetic moment. I'm moving to number three. If you want the rest of that point, email me. I'll email it to you. Number three, future plans. Future plans. Verses 16 to 20, right? It's, it's faithful prayers. We can't skip over that. We can never move beyond faithful prayers. 
Like, it's not like, oh, we don't know what else to do. We're going to pray. We do know what to do. And that's why we're praying. We're going to God. Well, we can't just, oh, next year we've, we've got our marching orders. We're not going to, no, we got to pray and we got to pray some more. We're going to be faithful in our prayers. And when we do, we see these promises fulfilled, but look, the fulfilled promises go beyond us to help others. This is an important thing that I think we're Americans. We need more of this help than our brothers and sisters around the world. We need to understand that the future plans include us, but they're not just about us. Look at, look at what we read, verses 16 to 20. I'll prove it to you biblically as my goal every week. He will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. This is what John the Baptist, this is what Zechariah's son would do. It was more than he'll make you proud on Little League. There was, when I read these, the word that I couldn't help but see is there was a ministry of restoration that he would be part of. Look at this, he would bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord, go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. By the way, this week I wrote down three prayers that I've decided from this scripture that I'm praying for this next year. And I don't know that it'll stop after that, but I felt like I received revelation, download, marching orders that I'll be praying next year. So much, Dana and I were talking to my wife about perhaps even teaching and, and uh, just seeing what God will do through the life and ministry of Elijah. But, but I just felt like this week receiving some marching orders and I wrote these three prayers down. I'm gonna encourage you to write them down too and pray about if you'll pray with me for these three things because I believe they are a right now prayer focus for us at Celebration and in our nation. It's the three things that he said would happen in the spirit and power of Elijah. Number one, he said, turn the hearts of the parents to their children. So what I'm praying, I wrote down and I'm praying every day, I'm praying for restoration of families. We're living in a time in our nation where families are being torn down, families are being redefined, families are being minimized, and I'm praying as, as the enemy has dug a wedge in. I, I, I'm so concerned about things I'm reading about in many of our public school systems and, and a separation from parents being involved in their kids at the direction of, uh, that's not about the message today, but I'm telling you what I've prayed for, besides letting my voice be heard, what I've prayed for is a restoration in families. Because if we limit our involvement to voting and, 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 and policies and procedures, I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. I'm just saying we need God to move in our country. We need God to bring about a restoration of hearts between parents and children. We need to get back to the place where kids recognize their parents aren't dumb and they don't know anything. We need to get back to a place where society doesn't tell the kids that your parents are dumb and they don't know anything. We need God to be involved. So that's one of the things that I'm praying for this week. And I'm taking it as a marching order for prayer in the next year. Under the spirit and power of Elijah, every day I'm praying for restoration of families. I hope you'll join with me in that. Another thing that we see is that the disobedient, that the hearts of the disobedient will turn to the wisdom of the righteous. So you know what I'm praying? I'm praying for revelation in the foolish. 
And I'm not referring to academia or whether or not somebody has degrees. What I'm saying is that I'm praying that it wouldn't just be that followers of Jesus are saying things. I'm praying that other people will begin to say, you know what? The road we've been going down is looking kind of crazy. We've been fighting for things. We've been pushing for things. And this does not seem to line up. We got to go back and ask somebody else. So I'm praying for revelation to say, hey, this is not right. This is not good. This is not healthy. This is not helping. And so that it's not just a one way us saying something. I'm praying that God would move on their behalf and that they would say, you know what? Our heart needs to turn back to the wisdom of the righteous, to the wisdom of the right way of doing things. Not just what a Christian's preference on something is, but what does God's word have to say? We're in a time where people push back on the things of God. A lot of the things of God are not comfortable, they're not convenient, but they are for our good. And so in a time where we as a society, we're not post-Christian, we're post-truth. And so we don't even have a starting point to say, what did God say? Because they would say, what does God say? What do I say? What do you say? Nobody gives a rip. It doesn't matter. It's only what God has to say. So I'm praying for that kind of revelation where they realize the Bible says that there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to death. And so one of the things I'm praying for every day, I'm asking, would you pray with me? Revelation for the foolish. I'll probably have to work on these words because I didn't share it with anybody. We might have to wordsmith them a little bit, but you get the idea. These are three mandates that I felt like I received. And I'm asking if you'd pray about praying with me even to come. And then the last thing it said is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I'm praying for the preparation of the church of Jesus Christ. We cannot afford to be unprepared any longer for his return. So one of them is about families. One of them is about lost becoming found, but I'm telling you, the other one's about preparation for us. And I'm just praying, God, prepare your church, specifically celebration. But yes, here in America, prepare your church for your return. Don't let us get sidetracked by other things. Don't let us get off the mark. Let us be prepared. I don't want to be like those five foolish virgins, Matthew chapter 25, that, that weren't ready for the bridegroom to arrive. I don't want to look like I'm ready for the wedding and miss it. And I don't want to be there and unready. I want to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we prove we're ready for his return is by doing everything we can to get other people ready. Getting ready for his return, it's not about just taking care of ourselves and making sure we know things. If we're ready for his return, we're gonna spend every moment, every bit of influence and, and our resources, we wanna do everything we can to get other people ready as well. So those are three things I'm praying for. I pray you join with me. Um, I, I'm gonna close point three and we're gonna pray and this is like the beginning of Christmas, like, oh, kumbaya, whatever our Christmas song. But I just felt like, <laughs> even in this week, I just felt like my spirit went to levels of ex uh, expectation in the atmosphere for things that we sense and feel in times of prayer and fasting. And I just, I felt like, you know, I don't always yell like this when we start off Christmas, but I just feel the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit so strong in these moments. And some of you may be wondering, well, when is it going to happen? You know, I'm going to pray till I do see it happen, by the way. That's just how long I'm going to be praying. Till the Lord releases me from those prayer points, they're going to be with me every day. We'll figure out, again, those wording, that kind of stuff. But I'm going to pray uh, until we see it all happen. But I, I love what we read about in verse 20. 
Uh, the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand, 19, I stand in the presence of God and I've been spent, sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. Isn't that interesting? The angel was letting Zechariah know, I didn't come on my own accord. I didn't come to tell you what I think. I came to tell you what God has to say. That's what we need more of. We need to know what God has to say. He said, I come under the authority of Almighty God. I bring you a word from the throne room of heaven and I'm bringing you this good news. But look what he said in verse 20. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until it happens because you didn't believe my words. Hear me, friends. There's blessing when we believe and there's consequences when we don't. But look what happened. He said, but my words will come true at their appointed time. Oh, I felt like retitling the message, but we'd already printed it and I was going with the theme, but I wanted to retitle it, answered prayers at appointed times. This is what I felt so strongly and I wanna pray over you in a moment that we will have these answered prayers, but they will be at appointed times. But hear me, friends, God's word is true whether we believe it or not. The word to, that Zechariah received is, it's going to happen at the appointed time, but because you didn't believe, you're going to have some consequences. Notice, Zechariah's lack of belief didn't change who God was. It didn't change what God was going to do. He's God all by himself. He doesn't need our vote of approval. He doesn't need our agreement. He's God all by himself. And he said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if I said it's what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it, whether you believe it or not. So there's going to be a consequence, but there will be an appointed time. Why was Zechariah unsure? <laughs> well, we read it in verse 18. His doubt, now let me explain this, was scientifically or factually based. God was like, you're going to have a son. It's going to be awesome. And Zechariah was like, I'm old. And I love this. I love this. This gives some insight. This will help some fellows here today. Look at this verse 19. He said, I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. <laughs> don't you just feel better about that, you know? Like our seniors ministry, it's 50 plus now. You don't even have to be very well along in years to go to it. It's awesome, you know? But guys, he's old. Her, she's well along in years. <laughs> That's what we read. It's in scripture. Zechariah didn't want to get killed by his wife. You know, he's like, I don't know if she's going to be pregnant, but let me just say this. Him and his wife were too old to have kids. The science was not in their favor, but when God speaks, when God promises, science cannot prevent God from the miraculous. So I know it's a Christmas series and it's a season, but I want to pray over a number of you that have been praying for a long time. I still got to do the closing point. We're going to sing. We're going to receive communion. The service is not over, but I want to pause in the middle and I want to pray over a number of you. So many in the first service, we felt God move in a mighty way in this moment. And I want to declare over you that you will have answered prayers at appointed times. It doesn't matter if the science doesn't line up with it. This could be a physical healing. It could be a provision at your work, a family member coming back home. 
I don't know what it is. It doesn't even matter what it is, but you know, and I'm going to pray that you will have answered prayers at a point in time. So this is the deal. If you're able and you're like, that's me, pastor. I've been praying. I've been waiting. I've been wondering is, is the time passed because I might be old and my spouse might be well advanced in years or, or the, the, the kid may have been gone for so long or the economy doesn't look. I don't know what it is, but if you're here and you say, that's me, pastor, I want you to stand. And in a moment, I'm going to declare over your life that you'll have answered prayers in a point in time. So if you've been praying, if you've been waiting, if you've been believing, I want you to stand and we're just going to pray. Even if you're watching online at home, maybe even in a coffee shop, I don't know. I'm just asking, take a step of faith. God sees us moving. So, so we're going to pray. And then I'm going to finish preaching because <laughs> I'm not done yet. But this is what I said so strongly. I had to go back and reread my notes. It was like a download from heaven. I'm weeping. I come back down and guys are ripping out sheetrock. And I'm just, this is what God wants to do. We're not decreeing this in my authority or my preference or, or society. I, I, I trust in my spirit that I sense I'm bringing this directly from the throne room of God for you that you would have answered prayers at a point in time. So if you're comfortable, would you lift your hands toward heaven? You're receiving from God. You're not receiving from me. And I'm gonna pray. And then we'll continue on with the service. But Father, right now I'm praying for these men and women, young and old, light and dark, rich and poor. I'm praying for each and every one that's been waiting. They've been praying. God, they've been faithful in prayers. They wanna see promises fulfilled. But God, I'm praying that you would do what only you can do. I know some of their stories. I've heard some of their plight. But God, I'm praying if it's a physical miracle, science may not be on their side. Doctors have not given a good report. It doesn't seem like anything else can change. But God, I'm asking if you've spoken it, that you would bring it to pass. That, that science and, 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 and public opinion and perception cannot stop the supernatural. So God, I'm praying for answered prayers at appointed times. God, I'm praying for men and women who've been praying for a loved one, maybe a spouse, a child, an aunt, an uncle, a neighbor, a co-worker, and it just seems like they're getting colder and colder. They're running further and further. And God, I'm praying no matter what the situation, because you said it's your will that none would perish. God, I'm asking that you bring them home, that you turn the hearts back, that you do a great and mighty thing for those that have been waiting for miraculous financial intervention. And it seems like the banks aren't in agreement and the problems keep mounting. God, I pray science or facts or finance cannot stop the miraculous in the lives of your people. So Father, I declare and decree in alignment with your word that every good and perfect gift that you've bestowed upon them from heaven is headed their way, that they would be the head and not the tail, and that God, whatever it is, it wouldn't just stay with them, but that it would be for future plans that many would know, many would be restored, many would come to faith in Christ, many would be turned back to the way that they should be, and Father, may revival come upon our land because of what you're doing in these moments and in these people and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray come on everybody said amen amen you received that today all right we're not done I need you to be seated if you can we're not done I still got one more blank and <clears throat> I love what my pastor friend, Sammy Rodriguez says, if heaven starts it, hell can't stop it. Come on, somebody, if heaven starts it, hell can't stop it. 
It doesn't matter what it looks like, what it feels like, even what it sounds like. Come on, if heaven has started it, then hell can't stop it. So close your notes, and then, as I said, we're going to receive communion together. I I took it right out of verse uh, 25. Quote, unquote, the blank there is the word this. The Lord has done this for me. But I want to ask you this morning, what is this for you? I hope before you leave today or at your home as you're praying, maybe this week, I'm asking everybody to pray about what this is for you. Let me, let me read it and explain as we go. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. And they realized he'd seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, we explained that, right? That week long, when that time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife, Elizabeth became pregnant. (laughs) So funny, Uh, somebody after first service came to me in the lobby, they were like, so if he couldn't speak, how did he communicate Hey, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how that worked. I'm not sure what, uh, but he was, after that, she became pregnant. We know how that happens. But after this, his wife became pregnant and for five months, she remained in seclusion and look at the declaration she made even before she held the fulfillment of her promise. She had not yet held the baby. This is five months later. It says she made this declaration and this is what I'm asking for you to do on December 4th or whichever day you receive it. What is this? She said, the Lord has done this for me. She hadn't held the baby yet, but she knew the Lord had already done it. And this is why I think it's important that you write it down on this piece of paper. You write it down in your journal, put it on your phone, write down when it is that you say it. When it happens, you're going to be able to go back and you're like, the Lord didn't do it on January 1st or January 17th or 2025. The Lord did it on December 4th. I didn't receive it till then, but I know that I know when I leave today or or when you're praying this week, whenever it is that you feel like you know the Lord has done this for me. So I want you to fill that in because it needs to change how you live in light of that. It doesn't mean that you already have it. Doesn't know, it doesn't mean you know when you'll receive it, but you already know. You've settled it in your soul. It doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what society brings. It doesn't matter what your friend, if you got friends like Job and you're like, give up, curse God. It doesn't matter about all those things. You know that you know that you know. The Lord has done this. And some of you are wondering, well, Pastor Derek, how do we know he's done this? I'm glad you asked. We're going to receive communion together. What did the Apostle Paul say that Jesus said? Do this in remembrance of me. How do we know that the Lord has done this? Because we know he's done that. I'm not trying to preach a whole sermon on the word this, but I couldn't help but notice even this morning that we are making a declaration that the Lord has done this for me. And it aligns with remembering the words of Jesus that said, do this in remembrance of me. So how do we have faith for the future? Because we've got confidence in the past. (laughs) How do we 
know he's gonna do that because we watched him do this. We know he's not dead, he's alive and well, and because he's not dead, but he was risen indeed, we know he's not done working. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So because he did that, we know he'll do this. So I'm gonna ask everybody to grab your communion elements. If you don't have any, you can raise a hand. A host will be happy to serve you at this time. We've got uh, uh, gluten-free in the back. We've got these. If you need a communion element, just hold your hand. We're gonna pass them out. Team's gonna lead us in the song and we're gonna receive together. But, but I want you to pray. Many who stood up waiting for their answered prayer at an appointed time, you might already know what your this is. But here's what I know. Whenever you actually see it, whenever you actually receive it, I'm believing that it'll be part of a future plan for the expansion of the gospel. We're believing for things that are greater than just our own comfort and convenience. We're believing that the Lord has done this. Why? So that all will come to faith in Jesus Christ. So that all will know this is not the same person. This is only an act of God. So even as you hold your elements and the team leads us in this song one time as Ashton leads us, I'm gonna ask, would you pray? Lord, what is this? Jesus said, do this. We're gonna receive together in remembrance of what he's done. But I'm asking you to ask him, God, what is it? that's gonna be a telltale sign for other people. I know, I believe you, it's your word, but what is it that you're gonna do that I declare today you've already done? So as you hold those elements and Ashton and the team leads us in this song, let's pray for a moment and Pastor Lewis will come and then we'll receive together. But let's contemplate, let's meditate, yes, upon the finished work of Jesus, but about what he'll still do for us in Jesus' name. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.